Hi guys, welcome back to the second episode of Mix Chart. Thank you all for tuning in. So, I actually got a lot of great feedback about the first episode and I really appreciate for everyone who watched it. I hope you all enjoyed it as much as I did recording it. So, we're I'm also starting a new segment in which I've put up a question and answer thing on my story on Instagram and any thoughts, ideas and questions that I receive on that. I'll be answering at the end of each episode. So at the end of this episode, I'll be answering all of the questions I receive. But for today, we're going to be talking about fat phobia and body image. And our guest speaker, one of my also again closest friends, is Marsha Rahan. Marsha, if you'd like to introduce yourself. Hi everyone. I'm Marsha. I'm a young artist, and I also work a lot for body positivity and fighting fat phobia. I have a little Instagram page that you can visit if you'd like, and I'm so excited to be here today. So thank you for coming, Marsha. So to start off today's episode, can you please discuss or define, in essence, what fat phobia is? Of course, fat phobia literally means the irrational fear of fat people or prejudice against those who weigh more than usual or those who present as fat. And when we talk about fat phobia as a problem, where do you think it originated from, like its root causes? Because from research, I've heard that it's colonialism, but apparently it's quite a debated topic. So what are your thoughts on that? Definitely. Um, the roots of fat phobia are debated, yes. Some say, like you mentioned, it originates from colonialism. Some people also say that it comes from the transatlantic slave trade. But in today's context, fat phobia usually originates from pop culture and mass media and how we view fatness as something that is inherently bad. So fat phobia as an issue is something that I actually learned from you. It wasn't something that's been talked a lot about before. And at least in our private conversations, you talked about how fat phobia manifests itself in daily life in ways we don't even understand. And I think one of the most important things to talk about is someone's relationship with food, because I feel like that tends to be an overlap with fat phobia. So could you discuss that a little further? See, when you're talking about fat phobia, it's impossible to not address food because that is one important aspect that always comes up every time you're fighting fat phobes, right? A lot of the times people who are fat, their relationship with food is very negative and it can develop into actual mental health issues such as eating disorders, which are very common among young people. And Again, fat people are viewed as irresponsible or lazy and they're seen as being responsible for their own condition due to the diet that they're consuming, which is not completely true. Someone could be fat for a variety of reasons that have nothing to do with their diet and hence they should not be policed on what they eat or expected to eat differently just to accommodate those around them. And like speaking about that, it's those throwaway comments like we talked about in the last episode, if you all remember, it's yeah, those comments either from your friends or your families that look when you're eating food, you know, or, you know, you shouldn't be eating that. Mm-hmm. That's not right. Um, so I also think the way that like the language that we use with ourselves is also really important. Definitely. I think to address fat phobia, it's very important to address its most Uh, essential factor which is language and it 
perpetuates fat phobia in the most common way. So the way you talk about fat bodies is very important. A lot of the times you see, even though people might not have any um, harmful intentions, but you see people commenting on everyone's bodies. Weight loss is complemented as this ideal that needs to be achieved. And a lot of the times, um, fat is used in a derogatory way as an insult. You will see a lot of young people looking at themselves in the mirror and they would say, oh my God, I am so fat. And they'd say the word fat with so much venom and hate that it automatically becomes an insult. So I think that's completely true. It's the way that we speak to ourselves that's firstly so important. And if we don't speak to ourselves properly, then... How can we expect anyone else to speak to us differently? So, Marsha, you also do a lot in fashion. That's something that you want to pursue later. So do you think that, at least in your experience, how have you seen fat phobia manifest itself in the fashion industry? I think after language, fashion is one more place where fat phobia manifests itself the most. Um, as someone who doesn't fit into the size zero category, same. <laughs> I've always, I've always found myself excluded from fashion brands, from clothes. I never find stuff that fits me, and I never see someone who looks like me represented on TV, especially in the context of fashion, which is exactly what made me get into it. Right? I wanted to be the representation that I never had, and a lot of fat people like myself don't have because the fashion industry is so fixated on this particular ideal of beauty that is restricted to someone being fair, thin, tall, and anyone who does not fit that mold is automatically out of the picture. And it sucks because they kind of reduce someone who is fat to being like an object, like. Like, do you know what I mean? In the sense that it's also become sexualized in not just the fashion industry, but as an entire problem. Definitely. And as a woman, I can attest to that. Fat phobia leads to sexualization of women. Because see, if you've looked at movies, a lot of the times, fat people are either the fat, funny best friends, who's the punchline of all jokes, or they're the curvy, voluptuous seductive young woman right there's no in between so no one treats us as humans we're either jokes or we're objects of desire and this is the narrative that we need to come out of it's the stereotypes that need to be removed first and it's those stereotypes that kind of lead to that hyper fixation that we even talked about last episode with colorism that problems like fat phobia and body image do lead to that hyper fixation on looks that people have or you know does this shirt make me look too big like even in my personal experience I don't fit into a size zero either and when you're shopping either with you know your friends or your family you always try to get a shirt that's oh a little bigger so it doesn't show the fact that you're uh, as fat as much yeah definitely and a lot of the times, um, you know, just asking other people for when you're shopping and you're asking the sales person for a bigger size, that itself can be so daunting and frankly embarrassing because the way that they look at you is it's as if you're asking for something that is really wrong when you're just asking for a size that's bigger and a size that will fit you. Hmm. And, you know, I mean, considering our generation and how right now social media is something that's 
quite like, I mean, it's central to the way we've grown up and it's central to the future. What do you think the role of social media is in dealing with fat phobia or causing fat phobia? I would say social media has a very important role and it's two steps backwards, one step forward. Because like I said, there's a lot of body positivity on social media right now. You see a lot of models, a lot of young people who are breaking out of that set stereotype and that set standard of beauty and embracing themselves no matter how they look. And you have a lot of examples even within Pakistan, this very um, famous artist that I know, Bay Sal, they're on Instagram, and she's one of the pioneers of the body positive movement in Pakistan. And essentially the first person who looked like me that I saw on social media. But at the same time, it is social media that perpetuated fat phobia in the first place because you see all of these celebrities posting pictures of themselves looking perfect, looking so skinny and thin, and that automatically feeds into the narrative that you need to be skinny to be beautiful. And also a lot of these celebrities, they do endorsements and ads for things such as slimming teas and laxatives and uh, appetite suppressing lollipops apparently yeah those are all really bad for you but if any of you guys see that please do not fall into that trap those are all gonna destroy your body and slimming teas like even like the ads you i remember seeing going up you know lipton you saw that person who was measuring their waist before and after they had the lipton green tea and that's such a destructive like mindset to have exactly because it it, it perpetuates the idea that fatness is something that needs to be corrected and there is a before and an after and you can't be happy the way you are. And essentially, you know how you see all those weight loss journeys and how people are obviously a lot happier when they've lost weight, which is true for most people and that can be a really good thing. But again, we shouldn't enforce the idea that happiness is only possible if you're thin. Yeah, that's that's completely true. So again, building upon the fact of social media, you talked about the role of companies and the way that they also perpetuate, you know, fat phobia and body image. Do you think that in our generation where being politically correct is so much more important, is that improving because we're kind of forcing them to? I don't think so because a lot of um, bigger brands still who have a lot of power a lot of resources they still refuse to cater to bigger sized people which comprise the biggest sector of the Pakistani market right and one thing that I've noticed is all of these brands that tend to be more size inclusive that tend to be more sustainable come from younger people so they're usually startups new ventures but these people do not have enough means as compared to mm, bigger the resources. Yes, already established brands who have the ability to create an actual difference, but they refuse to do so. They would spend so much money on their marketing campaigns, but not enough to spare a few yards to make a shirt that's bigger sized. Yeah. So also something that I think has been mentioned a lot in this episode is the body positive movement. And that tends that is also something that online is quite debate quite debated and i feel like over here people don't tend to know what it actually is they always get caught up with the oh you know being healthy aspect of it and not what the movement really means so could you elaborate on what the movement actually is 
of course basically the body positive movement aims to ensure that everyone feels comfortable in their body regardless of what it looks like it does not restrict itself just to fat people but no matter what size color shape you are the movement focuses on embracing people regardless of all of those factors and when you're talking about body positivity one argument that frequently comes up is how we are normalizing fat people and somehow that is unhealthy but again we have to stop and realize that being fat does not automatically translate to being unhealthy and that is a misconception that we need to address and that is again because of that inherent fat phobia that we've had since we were young and you you did talk about the fact that we've had it since we were young do you think that that's because of like we've also talked about the role of social media so is it because of social media or is it because of society or is it like a mix of the two that you know that perpetuates that mindset of fat phobia i think it's definitely a little bit of both because fat phobia doesn't happen in a vacuum it's it's social media it's pop culture it's society it's the standards that we set for each other and all of these combined together to create this very strict standard which does not include fatness and fat phobia hence emerges from that very notion and as a result of fat phobia like even things that we talked about in the last episode that do apply especially is mental health because as i said before it is one thing that is there's more light shown on it because of our generation and i feel like that's really important so can you talk about any personal experiences with mental health or just in general the kind of impact that these body image issues have resulted on your mental health or in general fat people are more susceptible to having mental health issues um especially because of the way that they are marginalized and treated by society a lot of the times when you're young your appearance is something that really matters to you and growing up is already pretty challenging on its own then fat phobia as that layer of scrutiny on you where everything you eat everything you wear everything you do is scrutinized because of your size and that's exhausting like having to look at every single thing you do like you're so young like you just literally want to enjoy life why do you have to worry about so many of these things exactly so you know when you're under that microscope all the time and you're constantly worrying about how you look how your body looks how people perceive you just because you're bigger in size that obviously has a negative impact on your mental health and i've experienced it personally yeah and i'm honestly like it the fact that this problem is still here in our day and age like it's quite sad to be honest like i hope that it's our generation that kind of gets rid of this problem as a whole so the first question is how can people who are unable to make their elders understand the concept of colorism cope so for this one i think the main thing is obviously trying your best but if you really are unable to teach them and you know you are feeling upset that they have been saying things to you or you've just been getting these comments and maybe you know talking to a friend confiding in someone i mean that's obviously like talking to someone will always help you deal with your problem so i definitely recommend that the second question is how to identify 
if someone is being like colorist per se and if they are you know making those comments so i think that it's really it's kind of subtle and it's important to identify those behaviors but things like you know telling you that you're tanning too much telling you that you know you should use this cream and it's meant for you making your skin more fair or subtle things like that i think those are the most some of the most prominent things and if it's if it bigger things at least are more obvious so you don't really have to look for those as much and the final question is so the first question i got was how can people who are unable to make their elders understand the concept of colorism cope so i do understand in the sense that you know not everyone can educate those who are older than them and their family so in those scenarios if you're feeling like upset because someone has been making those comments about you then confiding in a friend or confiding in someone who understand like talking to someone will always help don't like bottle it up the second question that i got was how can you tell where when someone is being colorist per se like is it like what kind of things do you look out for so even in the episode i think the things that you should look out for at least the the less obvious things they're more subtle like those side comments that people make especially in your family you know things like giving you a cream but that cream is meant to make your skin fairer or hearing things about that you're looking too tan you should stay inside more things that you wouldn't really recognize at first but do have that those colorist undertones to them and the final question is it's not really a question it's more like an idea is the fact that we even as our generation can be intrinsically colorist without realizing it so how do we stop that I think for this this is definitely a really interesting con- like it's really interesting idea in my opinion because I do think as our generation we try and make sure we're as correct we try and identify these things but at the end of the day they're still ingrained within within us based upon our childhood so I would suggest the same thing as before except you need to kind of introspect in that sense look what comments you're making what you're thinking when it talks about the color when you think about the color of your skin the color of other people's skin and your reaction and then just making sure that you're like conscious of the way you're speaking and the way you're acting when it when it comes to the color of your skin especially in the sense that oh you know being fairer is better so i think making sure that your mindset and that you're more aware of what you're saying will definitely help that so those are all the questions i got for the previous episode i really hope you enjoyed thank you for tuning in the next one is going to be about religion and our relationship with religion in our generation so i'm really excited to film that and i hope you guys enjoy